My name is Richard Morellis, and I want to welcome you to the Prison Post. This is your podcast for conversations surrounding the need to reform prisons from the perspective of formerly incarcerated people, community members, and leaders in the restorative justice movement. The Prison Post will feature an episode every Wednesday with people who are in the fight to restore lives and heal communities. That's right. That's right. Welcome to the Prison Post, everyone. Uh, Jason Bryant's on assignment, but it's good to be here with Crops Ready for Life. Uh, Ready for Life Virtual Programs, uh, first associate, uh, Luis Miguel Bermudez, all the way from San Francisco. Uh, it's good to have you here, brother. Yeah, yeah it's a pleasure to be here. Man. Yeah, I want to say you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy you're here. I'm honored for you to be here. You're going to go down in history as the first uh, Ready for Life uh, uh, associate to, to be on the podcast. We'd like to have every one of you on the show to be able to share your story, your experience with with crop organizations program, with the leadership development, digital literacy, financial literacy, going on into the career, uh, training in business to business tech sales. Uh, thank you, thank you. First of all, for traveling all the way out here from San Francisco, man. It's good to be with you. Oh, definitely, it's good to be with you. It's good to finally meet you in person. You know, it's been a definitely good vibing off each other on the webinars and whatnot but yeah. it's definitely a different feel face to face and i, I know and i appreciate you for inviting me over here yeah we literally uh just uh met each other about five or ten minutes ago even though we've spent three weeks on yeah. zoom together uh it's a big difference last night this guy's eating a big old double cheeseburger <laughs> on zoom life. and uh hey, you're looking sharp bro it's good to be with you today thank you thank you so um one of the things that I'd like to say about you that from my experience from day one, when we started off our three-day workshop of 15 hours, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday to kick yeah. it off to see, you know, who's going who's gonna to carry on through to the next six months of the training. And you were the one that I can remember, you and Claudine um, were the ones who were, I mean, we talked about maximum value equals full participation. Mm -hmm. And you're getting in all the time, not only in those three days, but on also since we've been on these last three weeks. But uh, you have been somebody, from my experience, that has gone hard to get maximum value. Right. And that requires full participation. And, uh, and we'll get into some of that and, and what you've got out of the program so far. But uh, Jason's not here today, but uh, he, wa he, wanted me to <laughs> he wanted me to talk about, uh, uh, first of all, kicking it off, breaking the ice, that uh, you're a baseball player. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Born and raised. I still keep my gloves in my back pocket to this day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, you're the real deal. Man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, we, uh, we, 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 we fancied ourselves as uh, softball players on the inside. Okay, we won a lot yeah. of championships, but it's a whole other thing playing hardball. <laughs> Definitely. So but who's your favorite team? Giants all day. Okay. Come on. Man. Ain't no question all right, Giants on here too. <laughs> you go to Jason's house, you'll see his son with the Giants hat on. Oh, there we go. At least he that's got right. that in name with right. the Raiders though. It's gotta, <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. It's gotta be hard being a Niner fan, getting instructed by a Niner I mean a, a Niner fan getting instructed by a Raider fan every man. day of the week. <laughs> that's why I represent with my shirts all the time, and I gotta show up with the Niner gear. Yeah, he has that obsession with that that black, silver and black. I mean, it, it happens to them. I mean, he's painting his fence in the backyard right now. He's painting it black. I'm like, dude, that's that's so hot, man. Yeah, but Luis, um, take us back, man. The crops uh, ready for life uh, program is for people that are justice involved. I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean that they've been to prison. Um, they could have been to jail, could have been arrested, but. What's what's your experience? First of all, I know you said San Francisco right now. What was it like growing up there? How did life transition for you? Were you were you a guy who was incarcerated one time, county jail, prison? What happened there? And then we'll just pick up on a conversation like that. All right. Well, um, we 
you know, growing up in San Francisco is a bittersweet thing, you know, because it's a beautiful place, but yeah. also rampant with a lot of violence and drugs and different stuff like that. And uh, I grew up on the borderlines of the Sunnydale neighborhood, and, you know, that's one of the most notorious neighborhoods in San Francisco. So, I mean, to this day, there's still shootings, like, every other day. You, mm. you start naming off the kinds of calibers going on. And, uh, you know, like, it's the thing, uh, to a certain extent, you get used to it in a sense that like you don't jump when you hear it no more and it's right. like it, but it puts you on high alert for everybody all the time. And, um, me being Mexican, but I could pass for a white kid, you know, walking down the hood in some fresh J's, you know, people would test me left and right. And, you know, that started building this, this persona. Like I gotta be Billy badass. I, I gotta, you know, stand my ground tough and make sure no one fucks with me. Right. And of course that led to me being violent, you know, led to me making stupid decisions, showing off. And um, when you think at what age uh, did you start experiencing that from the neighborhood, people looking at your shoes? And oh, man. I remember even in prison, they used to yeah. say, uh, when they'd ask you in the county jail, what size shoe you wear? And my size, fool. <laughs> yeah, my size. <laughs> yeah, uh, in elementary school, man, as soon as I would like get dropped off of the after school bus, because like the closest bus stop was in the Sunnydale projects. So I'd have to get off there and walk home. And, you know, it wasn't a long walk, but, you know, you definitely pick it up quick, you know, especially with all the groups of kids hanging around, you know, back then a lot of kids was, you know, into jumping other kids, myself included, you know, after a certain point. And um, I finally got arrested when I was like 13 for the first time, got a felony graffiti charge, had to do a oh, bunch felony of- for graffiti? Yeah, <laughs> it was like over a thousand dollars worth of damage, so they hit me with that, we had to do like 96 hours of community service. So that was the first one? That was the first one. And then- uh, ever since then, I kind of honestly, I've been a bit of a jailbird to be real. Just, How old are you? I'm 29 now. So shit for the last from 13 50, to 29. How yep. many times back and forth? No judgment. I'm the man, I'm the 25 of life over here. Man, some I, people do it on the installment, the installment plan. plan. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was one of those for real. But um, man, honestly, I can't even count how many times I've been arrested. But you know stents over four or five months, at least a good five or six of them, you know. Just jail or prison? Just jail, but now I got now I'm on parole because I got a prison sentence with a paper commitment, so I never actually hit the yard, but that I ended up serving off all my time, and when they uh, revoked my probation, they finally gave me a two-year uh, prison term and then just let me finish out the, the time in county, and now I'm on parole. Oh, okay. Yeah, I forget that that law that allows for that is like a, a new law that uh, if you had a certain amount of time, you could serve it in the county jail yeah. instead of going to prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so Luis, I've heard you talk about your parents a few times, and um, you know, I think about Jason's mom, my mom. Whenever we talk about our parents, uh, there's a certain endearment, uh, there's a certain closeness there, and I've heard you mention them with that same sound. So uh, would you talk a little bit about your relationship with them and even and even now, have they been in your corner fighting for you and, and waiting for that day when you turn the corner and join a, a program like Crop Organizations <laughs> Ready for Life and get on that get on that new path? Yeah, they most certainly have been waiting for that. And uh, I, I'm, I'm so grateful of the fact that they've stuck it out this long because uh, growing up as a kid, I would say, you know, up until like, 11, maybe 11, 12, I had the perfect life with the family, honestly. You know, my pops would take me to practice. You know, first one's there, last one's to leave at every game. 
and it, it was go fishing. You know, it was a beautiful thing. Till puberty kicked in, and uh, at the time I didn't know, but my dad was uh, in a real bad car accident. Mm. It left him disabled. He was on a bunch of meds, mm. depressed, couldn't work anymore, and it ended up he ended up taking that backlash out on me one day on the field. And you know, I still remember it to this day, like it was yesterday. Just you know, getting too getting too pumped, getting too angry, arguing to the point where I was like, you know what, fuck this. I don't even want to do this anymore. Like it's not even fun. And then as I'm walking off the field, I was like, man, fuck this. Like, I don't need you anymore. I'm going to make it pro by myself. And I remember he laughed at me. And I was like, damn, all right, that's how you feel. All right, fuck you then. And, you know, that kind of set the tone for, you know, these past 15 years for real, at least. And uh, it has been a lot of tension since then. You know, that's when I started drinking, smoking, staying out late, you mm -hmm. know. And a lot of that stemmed from... You know, my PTSD from earlier experiences, as well as, you know, getting my ass whooped when I get in trouble and stuff right. like that. So uh, there, there was a lot of tension, a lot of animosity, and uh took a long time to finally overcome and start working through. But you know, we're getting there now, you know, yeah. started those conversations. And, you know, now they're right outside when showing bringing me here and ready That's for me to up. finish this up and take me to the next destination. So. That's what's up. I can't ask for nothing more. Um, I think about um, some of the conversations that we've been having over the last three weeks on personal responsibility. And and uh, my experience of you is super authentic, raw. You. You're going to get it raw from Luis. Yeah. You're going to get the real from Luis. Uh, and super authentic in a way where a lot of other people that I've encountered in doing leadership development, leadership training, Maybe it's because of embarrassment. Maybe it's because of pride. They, it takes longer to hear about their character defects. The yeah. truth is we all have them, right? The truth is we all have them. Whether Fill in the blank. Not everybody's is the same, but we all have them. Definitely. And what I appreciate about you is you're willing to come out and say, here's what I'm struggling with. Here's what, I, here's what I've struggled with. Here's, here's what's coming up against me right now. I realize that sometimes I'm my worst enemy. So... How has been the training for you so far in terms of what stuck out to you the most? I know personal responsibility, we've talked about a lot, but what are the things that stuck out from, from the three-day workshop up until the last three weeks? Mm, man, honestly, the one thing that I feel really did it for me and will continue to keep uh, triggering a good response for me was the whole victim experience we did. You know, telling that, that, and especially the way you guys presented it, like, all right, you got to make us believe like you're the victim. So, you know, it like really kind of makes you throw your two cents in there. Right. Like, all right, you know, I'm really got victimized. And then when y'all flipped it and like, all right, now what's the responsible side would of it? Be, I'm like, oh, shit. Would you, be, um, would you be willing to unpack that and tell like the listeners uh, how how it happened or what, what was shared or your experience of it. So uh, my victim experience. Uh, Not I, necessarily like you, your, your victim experience or your story, but what's the exercise that we went through that, that stuck out to you? And, and it's up to you whether you want to share any, yeah, any yeah. more details on that. Like I was saying, you know, uh, just, just the whole way that you guys presented it and like, yeah, really make us feel that you were the victim. Like really dive deep into all those feelings you've been harboring right. and telling yourself for so long. Now flip that shit and, you know, look yourself in the mirror and be like, all right, what did I actually do to contribute to it? You know? Right. If, I, if I'm going to stop, if I'm going to work through this, if I'm going to actually progress in life, I need to stop being this victim. Mm -hmm. I need to stop the whole, oh, they, they, 
I'm not going to get this because I'm a felon. I'm not going to get this because of this or that. You know, it's just a mentality that you keep playing through in your own mind. And, you know, it's, you can switch it with different variables, whether it's school, whether it's a job, whether it's an opportunity like this. You beat yourself everything. You beat yourself up and tell you you're not worthy of it because of something that happened in the past because you're playing the victim. And honestly, that night was just so powerful for me to just, like, I just slapped myself in the back of the head. Like, damn, I finally got it. All right, cool. Now it's time to wake up, address everything that I've been responsible for and all my mistakes and the way that my life has looked up until now. Up right. until now. Up until now. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's just owning up to it and, you know. And what is it, what, what's, what type of experience has that been for you when you're owning it? Oh, powerful, powerful. Like, honestly, it's, just, it's what it is, taking the power back from the situation, yeah. you know, rather than just feeling like, oh, all of this is happening to me, all of these situations I can't control. It's like, no, you know what? All right, let me just stop. All right, here, this is my reaction, my response to the situation. It's the only thing I can control. Exactly. So the more I, I take responsibility and accountability for it, I feel better for it at the end of the day. Because now I'm looking at it like if someone does me wrong or something, instead of getting upset, I'm, I'm showing faith for you. You know, I'm praying for you because of the fact that you're obviously struggling with something a lot more. That's, you know, you're taking it out on me, so I'm not going to get upset about it. I'm going to take it with a grain of salt and, you know, do my best to move forward yeah and I, i'll just add a little <clears throat> bit of flavor to it as far as for our, our listeners out there what we're talking about is not that sometimes we play the victim whether we really are were one or it's perceived mm -hmm. and and that's not to negate that some of us like you talked about the psd some of us had the, those real traumatic experiences or we're really victimized you know mm -hmm. um the, it's not to negate that <clears throat> But we also want to guard against using those victim stories as an excuse mm -hmm. to limit our future, to limit the way we think about ourselves, the way we think about how we can be in the relationships, the way we think about our future careers. And so and so when we can say, OK, even if I had five percent responsibility in this, in the way that I in, in the things that I was doing or the things that I wasn't doing, what would happen if I owned my part? Mm -hmm. And I could look back and, and having a having a stepdad that I didn't, I didn't feel that he loved me. I didn't feel that he that you know cared about me much and things like that. I uh, I felt like uh, he hated me at times. I felt like he tried to separate me from my mom. And for most of my life, I would just put all the blame on him, hundred mm percent. -hmm. But now that I could look back at at forty three and say, you know what, I was pretty rebellious. I didn't want him to be my dad. Mm -hmm. I didn't want him on our life. It had only been my mom, me and my sister for 10 and a half years. Now this dude comes around. I don't want you around. Mm -hmm. I don't want to connect with you. Anything you say, I want to rebel against. So I can look back and then, you know, he probably had a rougher road um, than, than I've been uh, giving him credit for all these years and just yeah. putting it all on him. And so if I can look at that, then I can shift my perspective for my future. So, Definitely. so going, going through the, Crops Ready for Life program. How did you first hear about the program? Uh, so I first heard about the program through my case manager over at uh, Citywide Forensics, which is like, a, um, you know, they do therapy, they do uh, drug counseling, all that kind of stuff. They do uh, all the different little programs you got to go to when you're in probation and all that good stuff. Right. But uh, they have a good employment specialist team and stuff like that. So while I was looking for a job, uh, I had brought up, 
I had asked about this program they used to have that would like help you pay for a new computer so you could start going to school. Right. And I guess within looking up something about computers, and he came across the crop organization and was like, oh, yeah, there's a new program coming up. They're, they're going to pay you to train for six months. They're going to give you a computer. I'm like, oh, shit, dude. Like, this is everything I wanted. You know, I got new computers. So I go to class. They're going to pay me to go to class. And what is run by prisoners and people that I can actually relate to and, like, have gone through some stuff? All right, cool. Sign me up. Right. <laughs> you know, so makes sense, huh? man. Yeah, definitely. In comparison to other programs that are out there, like you just talked about <clears> it, <throat> um, a lot there's a lot of programs out there that are not being directed or run, or the the program leaders like Jason. You know, Jason's on with with you guys from five thirty to nine thirty every night. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I'm on till seven. Everybody has full time jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, maybe not everybody, but a lot of people do. And, and some are going through the program after a job, after doing eight, 10 hours a job. Mm-hmm. And then some have, uh, you know, babies on their lap. I mean, everybody's fighting for their future Man, right there. Definitely. And, and what is it, what, what has been the difference of going through a program with all of us who are former lifers, um, versus someone who's never done time before? Uh, honestly, I've had this issue throughout my whole life. Cause you know, I've been in and out of counseling and therapy since I was a kid. And uh, my biggest hang up from it was, you know, like you were saying with your stepdad, like I'm pushing, I'm pushing away from it. Like, I don't want you to help me. Like, I get it. You don't understand. Like, yeah, this shit may sound good in a book to count to 10 and take deep <laughs> breaths. But when you're in that situation, you got to either rock off or do, you know, it's, it's a different, just the yeah. feeling within itself. And that's just always, you know, made me real closed off because I could tell like it's, it's a lot of genuine people out there that really do want to help it. You know, their heart's in the right place, but right. just the simple fact that they don't know what it's like, you know, just it kind of just doesn't allow you to make that strong connection, you know. And I feel like with CROP, just the simple fact that, you know, another thing is I feel like all of those other organizations I've participated in have been forced. You know, like I have to do this because my PO's telling me or I'm going to go to jail or I have to do this for this and that other reason. So no one really wants to be there. You know, of course, you have like one or two people that kind of take it serious. But for this, you know, it being put together and run, led by, thought out, organized by people who have already been there, done that, and are working on breaking out of it, and then have people that signed up to be here, want to be here, and are all actively engaged and supporting. And man, it's, it's just brings me a sense of community I've never had before. Yeah. And, and it's, it's amazing how, in how short of a time man, we have felt that bond. Talk about the community that we've built. Um, I think we have, I mean, even in 21 years of incarceration, our team, I've never been on a more diverse team working together for over three weeks. And we got a lot, a few more months to go together Mm -hmm. before you, uh, uh, you know, head into the business-to-business sales uh, training in tech. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it might be an emotional night by the time, uh, <laughs> by the time we, we transfer over, man. Definitely. And I uh, definitely want to spend more time out here. But what what has it been like in our community and, and also speak to the diversity that we have? Man, uh, so as far as the community aspect goes, I, I felt it, you know, within that three-day seminar. You know, just the rawness of everybody, just the openness, how... You know, we all understood the fact that we're here to better ourselves, right. you know. So the only, the best way to do it is to be completely candid, be completely open, be vulnerable. And, you know, 
what really helps that is the fact that, you know, it feels like you can trust each other. It feels like we're all here with no bad intentions, no judgments, you know, everyone that made their mistakes already. So cool. We're going to look past all that. And now how can we help support each other in growing? And, you know, I've felt that since the, the first little three day seminar and I continue to repeat it every day in class. Like, thank you guys so much. Uh, yeah. Not only the facilitators, but all the all the participants that, you know, show up all day, every day, full participation. And I just, I'm, I'm ex so excited to see where this is going to go. Man, that's awesome. I mean, you're even in the chat box, man. I mean, <laughs> someone said we do a check in at the beginning of the show. And I'm not the beginning of the show, the beginning of the program. I mean, we're going to be on for four, five thirty to nine thirty Monday through Thursday, Damn. and then what is it, five thirty to seven on Fridays? Yep. And after a full day, you know, we've already got a full plate of things that we've experienced. Mm -hmm. Come five thirty, and so we kick it off with a check in. Sometimes they're serious. Sometimes they're 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 funny. We went on Jason's crazy questions yeah, like yeah, yeah. if you could be in it. An animal, any animal yeah. in the world, what would it be? I mean, sure enough, I got to be a griffin, you know, the <laughs> mythological beast. <laughs> yep. So, I mean, that's a way to break the ice, man. But, I mean, even I think the best way for us to even work is to be authentic about our own struggles. When I'm having a bad day or Jason's having a bad day, we've shared some, some things. And, you know, um, you uh, and others, Claudine and KC – have jumped in the chat box and picked us up Thank and, you. and lifted us up. And, you know, there's no, for me, there's no greater feeling uh, than to take what we've learned from our personal transformation, from 21 years of incarceration, from our education and training, and to share it with others, other people who care, other people who are willing to say, I'm willing to listen, what you got for me? And if it adds value to my life, I'm willing to consider it and see how it applies. And, and for some of you to, to do that um, in a way that has been authentic, transparent, vulnerable, um, there's few better experiences that I've experienced in my life. That, those aha moments, those transformational Man. moments. Like I talked about it the other night. You could hear people thinking differently in their language. You could, you could hear... Uh, more precise language in their responsibility. Whereas people couldn't like, they couldn't see in the beginning, like, what do you mean my responsibility? Yeah. What do you mean my part? I don't have a part. Like, what? They did this shit yeah. to me. What are you talking about? Right. Yeah. The window in the mirror. Speak yeah. about the window in the mirror. Man. So that, that was another profound little exercise we did as well that, you know, touch base on how we're all so focused on looking out that window and, you know, pointing at everybody else, what everybody else is doing wrong, you know, and, just creating that little picture of the world's against me right. and Tupac and, uh, <laughs> against the world. <laughs> and now you know how people can stay stuck and looking at the world through their rear view, you know, another yeah. Tupac reference, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the whole, uh, just looking into the mirror and really facing yourself and, you know, really just taking that accountability. And that's the thing too, that I loved about the whole uh, victim experience was it's not about blaming yourself. Right. You know, it's not about, kind of beating yourself up and like, oh, no, I fucked up. It's, no, it's just about being honest, being accountable. Like, all right, look, yeah, I played that role. I, I, I fed the fuel, whatever. All right, cool. That was the situation until now. What are we going to do from this point forward? Right. And 
Man, like I said, as much as I've been working on this on my own, you know, for the past couple of years trying to figure things out, it makes it so much, maybe not easier, but like a lot more, uh, man, what's the good word for this one? It's a lot more compelling, you know, it makes you want to do the work so much more when you got a community behind you, right. a support system. Like rather than just trying to talk to a homie that we're just out drinking and smoking and they're not really paying attention and right. they're just going to get just as mad as you and talk shit too. And it's like, no, to actually bounce it off of someone who's listening, who's, you know, being supportive and wants to give you constructive criticism on how to better yourself. Like This is what I've been waiting for my whole life. Yeah. Yeah, it's easy when when you're with uh, like old friends and and you tell them the you know the victim story and they just bite on in with yeah. you. Yeah, like yeah, that ain't right. Yeah. And rather than uh, you know standing for your highest commitments and saying, well, you know, maybe you had a part right there and what are you committed to for your future? Uh, let's talk about Crops Ready for Live program being a holistic program and so many of those reentry programs. You know, you've you've been in and out before. You know, all these different. Um, reentry assistance programs, you know, and we'll get, you get a bus pass over here. You can go get a, uh, you know, what are the, those day jobs over here? And they're always, you got to travel all over town and all these different places. And one of the things that we're trying to do is bring all these services together. Definitely. And, and not only that, but I think that I've been to these, um, these parole events where they bring all these jobs together. And little job fairs. Yeah, the job <laughs> fairs. And it's like the best job you could possibly ever get is like driving truck or something. Yeah. And and uh, no offense to being a truck driver, if that's what people people want to do, that's great. There's a lot of people my stepdad, he's been doing it 34 years. He does pretty well. Yeah. But but it, it's a little bit irritating that like that's the that's like the the best that they yeah. see us. Mm -hmm. Like at best you guys could be a truck driver. Mm -hmm. And we've never had that perspective. You know, I, we know about you being highly talented. There's so much talent coming out. Justice involved people are just as talented Man. as anybody else. They're just people. Even more so. Yeah, and even more so. Exactly. Um, so you have the four pillars and the uh, Crops Virtual Ready for Life program. We're, we have three of them in active. Mm -hmm. We're fighting for that fourth. We have that one-year housing component, mm -hmm. right? But you have the leadership <coughs> development component. The digital literacy component, the financial literacy component, and also then 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 checker working with you with uh, the business to business tech sale training, co-tenderloin getting involved, and then also working with workforce development partners to 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 find jobs. Even when we met with Ross, talking about possibilities of working at Oracle. Mm -hmm. So, what is that model? That reentry model to you? We call it reimagining reentry, right? Reimagining reentry. Um, is there anyone else doing anything similar you've ever heard of uh, throughout the years? And uh, how is it working for you so far? Uh, as far as anything similar to crop, fuck no. <laughs> no, there's nothing close to it, honestly, from my experience at least. And especially not as far as the vision goes, you know, at least from what I've heard, to eventually have that one location where we could just have a group of people live here, work here, do whatever you need to do to focus on yourself yeah. for this year to really just break out of that little victim box, you know, look yourself in the mirror and start owning up to the life that you want. You know, like we were talking about in class the other day, uh, deciding to do things that are actually working right. towards the your end goal you know what do you really want your life to look like and what are you doing to get there 
And that's the thing is like a lot of us, you know, we just have these dreams, these visions of what we want, but we don't do anything about it. You know, we just sit there and play the victim. Like, oh, I can't ever really get that job because uh, I've been in and out of jail my whole life. I ain't got no degree. I, and this, this, and that, and the other. And we just build these big walls <clears throat> rather than break down those little steps to climb right. over it. You know, we just keep building these bricks higher and higher. And to me, like, the, the thing I appreciate most about crop within itself is, like you said, you don't label people like that. Like, you see the value Rather than, like, the rest of society, they think, oh, you already, you're labeled as a fuck-up already. So you could clean the streets if you want uh, just to get some cash, but yeah. we're not going to give you no real job. And that's what I appreciate the most is the fact that you guys see the value in everyone and are giving them real opportunities to, you know, all right, here. If you want the opportunity, it's here for you. All you got to do is put in the work. And, yeah. you know, like I was saying, I was, the other day in classes, I'm genuinely so excited because what you guys have set up so far and what I've learned so far is like I really have to go out of my way to fuck this up. And yeah. and, and I love that so much because I've never like school never felt like that to me. It always felt like such a prolonged process. Like, damn, if I even wanna think about studying law, I got it's gonna be seven, eight, nine years of, of hella school and then maybe I could get the chance. But right. But, you know, with this, is like, here, sit down for six months, focus, and we'll plug you in to do whatever it is you want to do. Yeah. And honestly, that's been my vision for starting my own youth organization is, you know, as much as I love and appreciate what you guys are doing for rest restorative justice and, you know, saving recidivism rates, I want to go a step further and, you know, do this for the youth before they get to that point. Yeah. You Talk know? about that real quick. Like, what are some of the things that... Uh, what are some of your ideas? What are some of the things that we could do? Because, I mean, you started off at a young age. I know I did as well. How do we interrupt that school-to-prison pipeline? Man, uh, my best idea to it would be to just create opportunities, you know. Go snatch these kids off the streets and be like, here, you want some money? Bam, let me teach you plumbing. Let me teach you carpentry. Let me teach you sheet metal. Something. Let me give you a skill you could take with you for the rest of your life and mm -hmm. get paid no matter where you go. You know, yeah. that you don't got to look over your shoulder every time. You know, you could stack up your money, have a 401k, get vacation pay, you know, be off work at two, three in the afternoon and have the whole rest of the time to kick it. Uh, you, there's so many other constructive yeah. avenues to go through. It's just that, you know, it, we don't get that, we, especially here in inner city youth. You know, we don't get workshop no more. You know, we don't get auto shop in school no more, stuff like that. And that's the thing is, like, not everybody's meant to sit behind a computer or read books. Right. You know, some people like art. Some people like music. And the worst part is a lot of people, a lot of youth get shut down with the term realistic. And, oh, well, it's not really realistic that you're going to make it as a rapper or as an artist or as this, as that, Basketball the other. Player. Yeah, so why not just give up on your dreams now and try to focus on this book? And, you know, it just puts you in a, in a depressed state. So I really just want to create, you know, a, a space like you guys were talking about as well, where here's a big warehouse. You can sleep here, eat here, work here, do whatever it is you need to do. We'll bring in a teacher to teach you whatever it is you want to learn, teach you to do it to the best of your ability and never do that shit for free. You know, that that's the way I look at it. And I think about the old boys and girls clubs. Did you ever go to one of those? Yeah. And you went there and it was cool to have a place to go. But you went there and you played either ping pong or basketball and foosball, and it was always some game, and that's yeah. cool. 
But what if there was that component that you have? Hey, from five to six, we're out here doing plumbing. From six yeah. to seven, we're out here doing welding. Yeah. We're doing a we're doing a uh, a class on that because that stuff's not being taught in schools, and you're just expected to Man. to get it after you graduate. And with the environments that we grew up in, or with the households and the parents, they're not pushing that, or they're pushing you know they're pushing a shovel. Man, you know you ain't gonna go to the military because of maybe you already got a, a felony already, you already got arrested or something, <clears throat> and maybe they will, but maybe not everybody's graduating so uh, or going to college or has the money for college. So and that's the thing that always upset me. Like uh, after having my second kid, uh, you know, I got into the union because I was going to law school at the time because that was my dream to be a criminal defense attorney right and help people from getting railroaded by the system. You know. But uh, once I had my second kid, it was like, you know, this is going to take up too much of my time. Let me, let me get in the trades. So I was a sheet metal worker for a while. And, man, I'm not going to lie. I was pretty upset when I found out I could have been doing this shit at 16. <laughs> you know, at 16 years yeah. old with a GED. You, feel me? you already know. I don't like this school stuff. Let me work with my hands. All right, yeah. cool. If I would have just got my GED at 16, by 21, I would have been making 100 grand. You know? Yeah. Nice vacation place. Like, you know. Especially in Frisco, man. They man. Said, what did they say the poverty level is over there? Man, Under. like 120000 a year? <laughs> like, what? Okay. <laughs> Let me get that right quick. So how do formerly incarcerated people survive in San Francisco? Finesse. <laughs> <laughs> without, without indulging in them. I mean, I've heard a lot of people, like, they'll rent places and live together with multiple people. But, I mean, you you, you got to be squared away in a career Man. to be living out there, right? Just definitely. Or at least have four or five different avenues of income, you know, to do something, stay busy. And that's the thing, especially, like, out here. Like, that was one thing I loved about the union, too. We get paid weekly. So, you know, you, you could go. Yeah. You don't got to budget as right. hard. Yeah, you know. And it makes things a little more, little more livable. But it's definitely a lot of stressors, you know, within rent and food and everything, you know. Yeah. It just makes it that much more difficult to get by. And that's what has always upset me so much about San Francisco within itself, you know, being such a uh, such a rich city at the end of the day. There's so much money here, so much opportunity. Yeah. Like, there's no reason for so many people to be struggling as much as they really are. Mm -hmm. There's no reason for us to have the homeless population we have out here. There's so many different avenues for people to help that yeah. no one should ever be left out in the cold like that. And that's one of the reasons why we're constantly looking for funding, doing fundraising. You know, you talked about the stipend earlier. You know, we're fighting to give. Now we're fighting. We're doing it mm -hmm. to give each person, each person going through the program a thousand dollars a month. And and it ain't much, but I mean, I'm sure it could help offset. Mm -hmm. And um, so would you talk about what are your thoughts about the, the, the stipend? Are other programs out there doing that? How has it helped you so far? Um, or it, I don't know if you've received the first one yet. You know, we're almost through with a month. Mm -hmm. But what are your thoughts about it? Uh, honestly, my thoughts about it, first and foremost, was I was ecstatic. You know, I'm like, what? You're going to pay me to learn? Like, it's usually the other way around. Like, yeah. I got to go come out of my pocket and arm and a leg just for the opportunity to learn something, which is ridiculous, you know? But, um, yeah. Man, and you know, a thousand. A whole different philosophy right there. Man, huh? most definitely. Because then that means that shows value in what it is that you're teaching, you know? Yeah. But rather than try to charge you and be like, oh, yeah, well, if you want this information, you got to pay me. Like, nah, here, I'm, I'm trying to give this to you to save your life. I'll even make it 
better for you like what more do you need you know yeah and i mean a thousand bucks that's enough for at least you know half your rent put a big dent in, in whatever it is your for monthly sure. expenses are for sure and that's the thing for the only experience i've had with you know incentivizing kind of like that with other programs is like a fucking 20 dollars target gift card or something you know yeah and yeah it's cool it kind of helps but at the end of the day it's just always felt very uh like, like corporate, very, like, just, it's all yeah. about the money, you know, and, you know, that's kind of why I got off on Ron about the whole Oracle thing about the you guys stuff, like, I don't know, right. I kind of feel like you guys are just uh, using us to, to build up your rapport as a business, and I get it, that's a mentality I got to break through within myself, but it just comes from, from those experiences, so... I definitely appreciate it a lot and, and feel like this is a definitely a, an avenue to explore further. And yep. it's all just comes down to the way we organize it with the right people. I'll tell you what, Luis, uh, ever since, uh, thank you for sharing that. <laughs> and, and when we f first started working together, you know, behind the scenes, you know, uh, with Jason and Ted and, and Matt and Ken, you know, we're, we're talking about this you know, in the three-day workshop that we kicked off, you know, over the weekend, 15 hours, man, Luis is on it, man, Luis is on it. And I, and I heard you sharing, I heard you, you know, opening up and asking questions, but I didn't know you had a secret talent yeah. <laughs> <laughs> until one night I shared something like, Hey, you're going to have opportunities to share, to share your story, different aspects. And I want to encourage you to bring the, bring the context uh, of those stories and, and work with the content, work with the content that, that you're going to be experiencing from the already for life manual, the workbook, you know, the actual, the actual, ah, I should have brought it inside. I brought it with me too. <laughs> but you know, uh, we had a little small swag bag, a crop journal, our ready for life curriculum and a, and a, and a crop pin. And, mm. but there's, but the best way for that curriculum to work is not just reading and filling in the blank, but to take it, and then apply it to the personal context of our lives. Man. And then I got off the call at seven o'clock. And then the next night when I, when we got back on, Luis was like, Hey man, I, I got something for you. I got something that I want to share with you. And then you, you, uh, so I, I wanted to tee you up to, if you want to talk about that at all, you don't have to, all right, for sure, but, nah. but if you, but if you do, and then we can, uh, we can, uh, tee up this, uh, instrumental back here. And, for sure. For sure. All right. All right, well, uh, you know, so there's, a, there's a part of doing the work. And, you know, that was the thing. We were talking about uh, the whole leadership thing. And um, I forgot what it is I said that, you know, triggered the response. But it was you and, like, two other people I heard. It was like, that sounds like a, um, what is it, unresolved, uh, what is it called? Unresolved assumption. It was like instantly that. That sounds like one of those assumptions right there. Unquestioned like, assumption. There you go. Yeah. And I'm like, hold on, wait. Like, I felt kind of challenged. And then right. you were like, you know, well, have you gotten any feedback on like what, like what you're really dealing with, what your uh, stressors are? And, you know, that was the thing. Like I had to question myself, like, honestly, no, I haven't because I haven't been that open yet you right. know, with anybody. Mm -hmm. And that's what really challenged me to, you know, break out of that box. And was like, you know, what, I'm tired of letting my story hold me down when it can boost me up so much further. And, you know, that being the case, like I'm sure a lot of people have, you know, I, I was molested by one of my family members as a young kid. And, you know, it, it messed with me a lot. Mm -hmm. It disturbed me mentally and it, it led to a lot of different scenarios, a lot of different, you know, acting out in school and then them trying to get me on meds and all these other different you know, 
ins and outs of all this frustration and rage that I just had built up inside and didn't know how to right. voice and let go uh, until, you know, it'll be those nights when I just can't deal with it and I got to write it out. Uh, I got to sit there and write it out. And it's, it's weird because it's kind of nervous as nervousness, as much nervousness and anxiety as it brings up. And, you know, you doubt yourself and worry like, oh, what's going to happen if I really like go all out and tell my story? Yeah. But then at the end of the day, it's like the few times I have done it, you know, mind you, kind of just drunk and on one, I'll run into someone, have a nice deep conversation and be like, you know what, here, hear this real quick. And just to get the feedback, like, damn, I went through the same thing. You don't know mm -hmm. how much that really helped me to hear. Like, so I'm, I'm doing my best to focus more on that aspect and, you know, be the voice for those that can't put the words behind how they're feeling. Yeah. So, so all right. That, so we had a, get, a couple get, a, a guest named Danny Contreras a couple weeks ago. Uh -huh. And he said, hurt people, hurt people. Mm -hmm. But heal people, heal people too. There you go. And, uh, and I see that you're bringing... You're the neosporin. Yeah. <laughs> to bring healing to people, man. And it's a beautiful thing. It's empowering. I told you, man, I love you even more. Right on, man. Thank you for your transparency and thank you for sharing this. And yeah, those are the kind of things that led to probably a lot of violent thinking, like, oh, you know, all that. Man. But here I am today on another path. Mm -hmm. And uh, how could I use it to serve the world and bring light and, uh, you know, I don't know how you feel about Jesus, but he said you're a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Mm. You're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. You know, shine your light, man. Mm. So, uh, all right. How all we right let's do get it? the shining. Let's all get right. the shining. Nate, Nate Darling. We're in Darling New Media. Before I kick this thing off, I want to invite you all to sit up nice and straight. Rest your hands on your knees. Take a nice deep breath. Close your eyes as I take you to a time when I was shortly more than five when my old same-sex cousin felt he had to cross the line. We were past playing the dozens. We'd wrestle all the time till one day he started nuzzling. Stuff between my thighs and I found it oh so puzzling the way things would arise when I felt his lips and tongue around the devil's winking eye. Once I found out it was wrong, it left me troubled, thinking why would he have done what he had done? Especially once considering I was still so motherfucking young, had innocence, full of life, all of which had been replaced by myself hating mental strife ain't nobody gonna relate can't equate the pain inside so i began to medicate just to escape it feels sublime for i know i have a reason god has told me i'm divine now i'm standing up to reach out to my bros and sister like ain't no need to feel defeated no you're strong enough to fight tell me about your battle trenches i'll be right here by your side as we look to the skies and it shake off the worries off the worries just look to the skies and it shake off the worries Seems he's always acting out Must not right be in the head Quick, let's force him to sit down Slowly pump him full of meds Fuck, just trying to figure out What's really making him upset There's no profit to account If we should somehow get him fixed Just tell him that he's crazy Watch his mind start playing tricks Set a new trap for him daily Then we'll find him when he slips If he can't afford to pay We'll just come find him for a bit Then place a mark beside his name So he's defined We're less than shit He's a heathen He's a monster Socially, he doesn't fit Without a cause or any reason He might scream or even flip Oh my gosh, he's 
such a demon Satan semen's in this kid But they all refuse to see To what degree this pain inflicts How my heart is raw and bleeds But I maintain to keep it in How the scars you'll never see Would probably kill a million men So no, they never will succeed No, you will never see them win For there's a God that lives within me When I feel this pain I grin and just look To the sky yeah. And it's shame Off the worries, off the worries Just look To the skies And it's shame off the worries, off the worries Now I'm coasting on a dream Glowing up my self-esteem Cause it used to be so ugly I was cold and hella mean Inflicting pain for me was funny Got minds by any means Guess that's why I fell flat on my face And just ran out of steam Now I'm picking up the pace Jumping right back in the race Must believe there ain't a demon Who could take me out my place Cause I done been through hell and back Me and Belil were face to face Now I laugh at their attacks They won't succeed to shake my faith For the fact I now believe in me And take control of fate I'ma be the man I choose to be Despite those who may hate Now I recognize the truest me and know that I am great Yeah, my past may have influenced me But no, it won't dictate who I am Or shape your views of me I've broken Hades' gate So if you understand and groove with me And if you can relate Then just look to the skies And shake Off the worries, off the worries Just look to the skies And shake Off the worries, That's off right. the worries Just look to the skies off the worries, off the worries, just look to the skies and it's shame. Off the worries, off the worries. Wow. <laughs> good work, good work. Woo. Talk about grooming with you, man. Shaking off the worries. Woo. Just look to the sky. Ah. That's it. How's it going? How's it going? Good stuff. How's ah. it feel? Feels great, man. Feels great for real. Like, man. All right. <laughs> man, it's a no, big burden off, you know? Yeah, it feels freedom. Big weight off your chest. I feel like freedom, man. Man, definitely. That's how it feels right here to hear it. It's a trip. Like, I, I just you. saw this little post online yesterday that was like, deep down, you know that on the other side of every fear is freedom. Yeah. And I was like, damn, like, it's, it's true. And I just need to start practice living that. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And I've heard that. I've said that before on this show. Like, I had to get free on the inside before I get mm-hmm. free out here. Yeah. And it sounds like, you know, it's for other people that have been out here. There's some people living in far deeper prisons man. than, than uh, behind them gates. Man. And it's all about freedom, man. Definitely. So talking about freedom, uh, six months from now, not even six months, five months from now, we're at graduation day. Uh, I'm going to be whipping up them barbecues, them burgers. Hooking up <laughs> the burgers. You got the uh, sick hat on. I need to get <laughs> one of those. I don't know where you got that at, but I need to get that, that, hey, uh, hey. that location. Um, Men's warehouse, man, right okay. there on Fourth and Market. <laughs> Men's warehouse, and then and uh, so we see you at graduation, and and Luis says, "Here's where I'm headed in the next few months." In other words, what are, what what are, what what new things have opened up for you? Where do you see yourself going after graduating from the crops, ready for life program? Man, honestly, the skies is it. There ain't no That's limit. It. There ain't no limit. There ain't no limit. Unlimited possibilities. Like at the end of the day, for real, just. After that first time I, I uh, did this song in the class and you reached out and you were just like, bro, like, I know plenty of people don't trip. You're going to have opportunities. Like, I got you. I was like, damn. Yep. It was just the most relieving feeling ever. Because, you know, like I said, I, I've always known it in my mind, too. Like, fuck, if I would just sit down and focus and do what I need to do to live a healthy life, uh, you know, everything I could ever hope for is, is attainable. 
but I just never oh, yeah. really had that support system to kind of, you know, keep me going. Yep. You know, it's always one thing after another, keep getting knocked back until you're just like, you know what, fuck it. But now, with all this in place, I'm, I'm just, I'm so excited about the future to come. And it's the right. first time I felt this way since I was a kid. For Dang. real. Like, That's for deep. real, yeah. Like, I'm excited. And as far as that being the case, you know, now I just plan on working on more of my music, uh, really working up on that plan for you got the more songs year. already? Oh, man, definitely. Oh, man. Definitely. Well, man, we're talking about... Uh, uh, you know, certified in uh, business to business sales and the tech industry possibilities with Oracle and music, Man. nonprofits. Man. That is Luis Miguel Bermudez that probably you were created to be. And, and there's certain. still a lot more that is yet to be imagined. And, and that's the crop perspective. You can imagine it, imagine it, you can do it. Most definitely. Reimagine it. Most you know what I'm saying? And, and no limitations, breaking through ceilings, breaking through limiting beliefs, questioning unquestioned assumptions, and saying, if it's possible, I can do it. And so, and so we nah, see. I can do it if it's impossible. As long as I got it in my mind, we're going to make it happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, doing the impossible too. Yeah, definitely. Well, brother, I, I, I truly believe that, uh, that we're going to be working together. I mean, I have some, some volunteer opportunities. I know you, we've been in that conversation, and we need to get in there. Um, I, I, I want to start meeting on a weekly basis and, and there's opportunities with crop even before graduation. Um, and, uh, I, I truly appreciate on behalf of the team, our team, um, the level of value brought to everybody there because it, it'd be harder to, it'd be harder for us if people came on the zoom and it's a long time, four hours, mm -hmm. four hours, you know, three, four nights a week and two hours. Mm -hmm. Well, you come there ready to ready to go to work, you know, and um, you bring value to other people. And I don't know if you know this, but, you know, there's some people that that when you say something that triggers them yeah. and then they take off and then they go. So we appreciate what, what the value you're bringing. Thank you. And, um, you know, like like, a, you know, Jason wanted me to share at the beginning of the show. You will go down in history as that first ready for life person to come on the podcast. Yeah. And not only that, but uh, you're a leader, man. We always say leaders go first. So thank we thank you for going first. Thank you for taking the lead. Continue to take the lead. You know, it's obvious. It's, it's the first of many firsts. Yep. First. <laughs> man. Hey, hey, hey. man. Um, is there anything, any message that you want to share with your, uh, with the fellow associates or with crop or family closing uh, it out here? Man, if anything, I would just like to say thank you again, first and foremost to you and all the facilitators that put this together Thank you to all the participants in this first cohort that are putting in the work to, you know, set the stepping stones for the people behind us. Uh, thank you to all the corporations that are a part of it and will become a part of it in the future. And honestly, to everybody out there that's struggling, dealing with all of these crazy issues that life brings up, man, keep trudging, look to the skies and shake off the worries. That's right. Look to the skies, shake off the worries. Hey, hey, hey. So just, just for our audience to know, Luis is the first, we hope to, we hope to do a podcast conversation with everybody, um, all 14 associates and, and to get their experience of going through crops, uh, virtual ready for life pilot program, where they're experiencing that leadership development, digital literacy, financial literacy, career training, and B two B tech sales, um, and and beyond. 
when our ultimate vision comes to pass, having that short and long-term housing where people can go and live for a year, receive at least a thousand dollar a month stipend. And not only that, but there's another component to our program where a lot of you have heard about what we did with the Lisa Ling, uh, uh, season seven, episode one, this is life with Lisa Ling, um, prison to prep school and our men built for others book, our men built for others scholarship that, us raising from inside of a prison over $33,000 to send a young man from the inner city to college. And this program is also, Luis was a, was already a trendsetter and a, and a game changer. And we were brought up that later on, there'll be a component of this program uh, with an income sharing agreement that will go back to funding scholarships, men bill for other scholarships. And we're changing that whole thing up to Men and women, men, men and women built for other scholarships or people built for other scholarships because they won't be just for for men. But reaching back to the inner city and using some of this uh, income sharing to to send uh, people to um, uh, schools that are truly committed to their students to break up this school to prison pipeline and to get get uh, opportunities for those to go to college. So if you want to learn more about crop organization, you can look at us up at croporganization.org or crop crop org one on Twitter, crop organization on uh, Instagram and um, creating restorative opportunities and programs on Facebook. You can look us up at a crop organization on LinkedIn. Yeah, we have a link tree on all those places and you can find what we're doing with the prison post. I'm here at with uh, Luis Miguel Bermudez. We're finishing up our, this first episode in this new series with our Ready for Life Associates. We're at Darling New Media Studio here in Sacramento. For those of you um, who have any uh, needs in the podcasting world, you know, he's become our friend. Uh, 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 um, he's, a, he's a teacher. He's a trainer. He's a studio. And so we want to sh- share about him as well. But we thank you for listening today. And we appreciate your time. I'll see you again on the next episode of The Prison Post. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Prison Post, a production of the Crop Organization. We'll be sharing more stories from the world of prison reform and restorative justice. So please join us. You can listen to The Prison Post on all major podcasting platforms. Subscribe to our video cast on YouTube and like us on Facebook at The Prison Post and at Creating Restorative Opportunities and Programs.